the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. All right, the next one is a vessel, all right? So he now tells Timothy, you want to be a hero? Let me show it to you how it's seen in a vessel. It says here, spotless for use. I like this word, spotless for use. Let me read this verse to you. You might want to get your pens ready. I'm going to read it quickly, and then I'm going to have you circle some phrases in here, if you'd like, just so it stands out of the page. It says this, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some of honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he'll be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Now, what you want to do is you want to underline the phrase great house. Now, we could talk about a great house could be your house. You live in a great house. We could talk about a great house right here in this church. We're kind of a great church. Not a big church, but we're a great church. But actually, in context, I believe it's referring to the house of God, which would be the church of God, the, the universal group of believers. So in God's family, in God's church, in God's household, in God's house, he's got different kinds of vessels that are there. Now let's stay with me, go back. It says gold and silver, wood and clay. Circle the words gold and silver, and then the second phrase is wood and clay. Now let me tell you what that's not saying, then I'm going to tell you what I think it is saying. It was talking about being a vessel, a hero here. He does say that there's going to be some vessels that are going to be gold and silver. For whatever reason, that particular vessel is going to have a certain grace that God gives to them that will be grace, will be gold and silver. That doesn't mean necessarily that you'll be wealthy, but that you're going to be uniquely divine, designed by God, and that will be what we're going to call a particular gold and silver vessel. Now, here's what it's not saying. When it says wood and clay, it's not saying that's a dirty vessel. These are the better vessels. It's not saying. It's just saying in God's house, there's all kinds of vessels. Now, if you opened up our refrigerator at our house there, you're going to find, you're going to find a gallon in there. You're going to find a half a gallon in there. You're going to find some pints in there. So inside this great refrigerator, there's going to be different kinds of vessels. It doesn't matter that one is bigger or smaller than the other one. They're just different vessels. That's talking about size. Now we're going to talk about quality not quantity. All right. If you came to our house, um, Carol has certain kinds of dishes. All right. She has dishes for you who are our guests. Those generally are the dishes that we, believe it or not, won when we were engaged at some girly shower thing. I can't even remember. Just Carol won all these, you know, dishes. And they're really neat dishes. And they followed us. Or we drugged them all over the world whenever we moved and pastored somewhere. We have those. And when you came to our house... You're going to get those dishes. You're going to get our finest silverware that we have. You're going, to get, you're going to get a beautiful, nice glass that she has for you. Why? Because she loves you, and that comes out for special occasions, all right? Now, also in our cabinet are the dishes that are for me to use. 
One, because if I drop it, it's no big deal, you know? And so I eat off of those vessels. And if you came around our house and you're doing some work and painting, working in the yard, and we're going to have something on the back porch on the lanai, we'd have some of those dishes out for you. We wouldn't bring out the fine china. Does that mean you're not important? No, it means you're very important. But here's what it means about the vessels, though. Some vessels are designed for this. Others are designed for that. Good news is the vessels that are more the earth and the clay, more of the everyday use, they get used every day. The ones that are gold and silver, sometimes they're going to stay in the cabinet for a long, long time. And we have to sometimes get them out and clean them before we put them out. You know exactly what I'm saying, ladies. If you know what I'm saying, say, "Uh uh-huh. All right. So if I came to your house, it'd be interesting to see what your dishes look like. All right. Some of them might say, chine-et. But anyway, those are the dishes. Now, what God is concerned for us to know is not so much about the gold and the silver dishes. He's not so much concerned for us to know about the, the wooden and the clay. What he is concerned about is the next part of this verse. Let's go on. It says... Some are for honor, some are for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses themselves from the latter, the dishonor. It's not dishonorable to have lesser dishes out there. What is dishonorable is when you have dishes placed before you, whether they're the gold and the silver or whether they're the clay and the wood, if they've got dirt on them. Now, let me ask you a question that's grossing you out. So if you don't like gross, put your fingers in your ears right now. Have you ever been to a restaurant... And when you sat down there and they put a glass of water in front of you, there was still lipstick around the outside of that. Okay, it's okay to go, ew, ew, you know. And I look at that and I'm thinking, ew, oh, 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 that's horrible, you know. How many of you went ahead, you're ready to have something to eat with your fork because and, and, you don't eat with chopsticks. And in that fork, you have a spaghetti noodle or whatever they say caught in there that's all dried and, I mean, it's... it's uh, it's almost petrified it's been in there so long. How, how many have been and seen some of that in there? Would you raise your hand? Okay. All right. Now, what God is saying, it doesn't matter what it is as far as the quality of the implements. What does matter is the cleanliness of the implements. And so that's what he's saying to Timothy. You want to be a hero? Don't worry about whether you're this or you're that. Be concerned whether or not you're cleansed. Stay with me in the same passage. It says this. He says, he will be a vessel for honor if you cleanse yourself from the latter, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Now on the screen, I want you to look at two bullet points and I'm going to add a third one that God gave me this morning here. So let's go to number one. God wants a clean vessel. He wants you to be clean. Now I'm not here to try to put you under any guilt, but I am here to put you underneath the light of God's glorious Holy Spirit of holiness. And I want you right now, I hope you would, in all the love I have for you, To allow the candle of the Spirit of God to go to the deepest recesses of your mind. God wants a clean vessel if you want to be a hero. Watch this. This this, this is powerful about what I'm about to tell you. In order for us to be everyday joyful Christians doing what God wants us to do to be that hero, we need power. Now, we have the power in the Holy Spirit, but that power is not released in us, unleashed in us, if we have sin in our life. And so if we want to have that power to do the daily stuff with joy and all the fruit of the Spirit, then we have to be clean. And that's why he says, cleanse yourself. So how do you cleanse yourself from this stuff? You know, you know. Humble yourself beneath the mighty hand of God. Allow the Spirit to bring conviction. Don't fight Him. Don't grieve Him. Don't quench Him. Confess it. You, sometimes we don't like to confess we've done something wrong because we've lived in, with humanity so long that when we do, that other person just unleashes their wrath upon us when we do that. Yeah, you're right. You've done it. You've done it. You've done it. You know, well, I confess if you're going to spit on me when I do this. 
God says, when you confess, I'm faithful and just to forgive you. He's a merciful, gracious God to those who humble themselves and confess. And so that's now how you can be cleansed. So once you confess and you cleanse yourself, you want to be very careful that you don't get dirty again. So now you redirect your life, you change your thinking, and you now follow the Lord properly. The second bullet point is you need to be credible. You need to be credible. And that's what we called useful for the master. Credible means that now people look up to you. They respect you because you're filled with decency, honesty, integrity, and consistency. And here's the third bullet point. It says prepared for every good work. I thought the word prepared meant equipped now to do every good work. That's a different Greek word. This one means that you are willing and desirous and eager for every good work. It's a different Greek word. So I put the word consenting down there. Clean, credible, and consenting. In other words, you want to get out there and to be used. Now I can only imagine if... If, I had, if they could talk and I could listen to their language and they're in the closet and it's those special plates that we have for special people, they probably would say, it's dark in here. It's dark in here. We, we've been in here a long time. Invite more people over to the house so you could pull us out of the cabinet. They want to be used. And I think the older Carol and I get... The more we don't care what dishes we use, we just put them out there for people. You just want to be used. I am not an athletic guy. I don't, I'm not strong. I, you know, I don't do competitive sports. You guys know that. Some of you are great competitors. Some are out doing their bike thing today and all that on the island. I'm not that way. And I do sometimes wrestle with an inferior thing inside of me, sometimes inadequacy. Uh, that's one of my... Uh, uh, sins of iniquity or inside of me it's an issue I deal with and I have the victory most of the time but because I wasn't very athletic and I came from a different kind of generation of parents from another country and they had a different way to rear kids I remember that when I went out for sports because I wasn't very athletic and probably didn't know how to play the politics of teams and all this stuff they would always say the coach would say, okay, we're going to pick up squads. Okay, you're the team leader over here. You're the team leader over there. You pick up from this group of guys. You pick from this group of guys. You go first. You go second. Why? I was always picked last. And frankly, I wasn't even picked. It was like, oh, we got Stanley. Oh, you know. I wanted to be used. I'm the guy jumping up. Call on me. And nobody did. But in Christianity, it's not that way. And, and sometimes... Because we want to be used, sometimes we have to say, I need to be alone with God so I can be strengthened to be more effective in my usability. So we have to be clean, we have to be credible, but some of us need to step up and be consenting. We had a wonderful discussion with the group of guys and lifeguards on Wednesday night. We were talking about the opposite of leadership because I do a lot of leadership training. The opposite of leadership isn't followership. The opposite of leadership is passivity. And I said, what I see sometimes in our church is this. I don't see people in our church, this is the, this is the positive of a negative, but I don't see so, many, so much in our church, this is my opinion now, opinions are like armpits, we all have them, they all stink, but here's mine, that we have a lot of people, if you asked them to do something, they would do it. And they would work hard. And they would sweat, and they would do it with joy. And if they couldn't do it, they'd throw money at it, so that something of them is put into this. And that's good. But I think there's one step to greatness. And that is when you're willing to take leadership and say, I'll take charge of this. I'll be the committee leader of it. I'll be the team captain of it. 
I want to be used. I want to look for areas to be. I don't want to be asked to pick up paper. I don't want to be asked if I could sweep the lanai. Where's the broom? Where's the Clorox for the bathroom? Where's Miss Beth and those that work with the children? I'd like to teach for 12 weeks or 6 weeks. Where's Miss Dawn? I, I like to sing. I can't sing much, but if you'll let me, I'd like to do something. What can I do? Not wait to be asked. That's the hero. I don't want to ever minimize those that when you ask them, they do it. But I want to maximize those who are saying, I don't want to be asked. I'm going I'm to do the asking because I want to be usable. That's the vessel right here. Fit, prepared, and eager for every good work. The last one we'll end on is this. is a servant. Interesting how he begins with all of this stuff and he ends on the servanthood because that seems to be the real core value of Christ is his servanthood. Let me read it to you here and here's what you see. His servant is served sensitively. He says, A servant of the Lord must not quarrel but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they could know the truth and that they may come into their senses and escape the snare of the devil have him been captive captive by him to do his will, Satan's will. So what are a servant here? If you're going to be a hero, look at that passage. I'm going to give you three S's. You can see them on the screen. They have a sweet spirit. And we talked about the people who are willing to do it when you ask them. We talked about those who are saying, I'm not going to wait to be asked. I'm going to do the asking. What could I do? Give me something to do and I'll do it. I'm a hero and I'll step up. I want to be used. But now you've got to do it with a sweet spirit. Some people, when you ask them, it's always down in the mouth, down in the mouth. You know, they, just, they don't do it with a sweet spirit. They grumble. You can't find somebody else. If nobody else will do it, I'll do it. You know, I don't know that's a sweet spirit. A servant is one that kind of says, Lord, you've allowed me this privilege to serve. Now watch this, watch this. You've allowed me this privilege to serve. I don't think I can do this, but I can't. You can, therefore I will. Did you get that? I can't. You can, therefore I will. And so now you go on this journey with God. You've got to stretch yourself. You've got to do this thing. And you do it with a sweet spirit. I'm going to tell you, when you do it, you just kind of breathe sweetness. The second one here talks about a sensitive spirit. So you do it gentle to all men. But you also have to do it sensitively when it says, in humility correcting those. And this is the hard part. And I think this is one reason why people don't like to get involved in ministry. Or take on leadership on teams or clubs or at school or at work is because they don't like confrontation. That's the island way. I know that. I live with that. And some of you think, well, you know, Pastor, you, you, you know, uh, Pastor, would you go tell so-and-so? I, I can't, but you can. Most of you think that I'm, I'm a dominant, you know, you know, don't mess with Pastor. You know, he, he's a tough guy sometimes. You know, I'm the bad cop, Dennis and Charlie are the good cops. You know, that kind of thing. I have to tell you, I hate confrontation. I hate it. I hate it when someone says, Pastor, I want to talk to you about something you said. I hate it. Shoot me. Just shoot me now. You know, I hate that. But sometimes you have to do that. In order to get someone back on the right road, you've got to let them know they're on the wrong road. And you do it by being gentle. You do it by humbly realizing that you may be on the wrong road too. So together you're going to get on the right road. And so that's where it comes with sensitivity. But do you really love the Lord? If you do, you really love others. And if you really love others, you're going to teach them and help them with the truth. And the final one is a serving spirit. We've already talked about that and how important it is to serve. Well, here's where we're at with this as we bring this message to a close. Actually, a two-part series on being a hero. I am excited because our church has become hero-conscious. 
Hero conscious means that we recognize people that need to be appreciated for their sacrifice and that they've gone the extra mile. Those of you who are guests, let me drop in something here. We're not a perfect church. We still struggle with things. I'm sure we do things differently now that we've done some things. I would rather be a church that could tell you what fails than a church that says, I don't know if it'll work. Do you know why? Because if you know that it's failed, at least you tried. If you have the church that says, I don't know if it'll work, that means you're never trying nothing. There's lack of faith, lack of risk-taking, a lack of safety if you do fail that the people will still accept you. We're not that way. Let me go back to this. Last year, earlier, we had what we called a, a teacher appreciation Sunday. We honored everyone involved in education. Heroes, educational heroes. Public school, private school, home school, whether you're in the classroom or whether you're pushing a broom after school. Doesn't really matter. Then we honored the public servants. I got another group I want to lay on you that we want to do in the future to honor them. I want to be a church that humbly recognizes those who've gone the extra mile. But it's very easy for others to bring water to the runners. It's very easy for us to put the cones out for the guys that are riding the bikes. But now God says, I want you to run. I want you to ride. I want you to sweat. And let's leave some of those people who will bring us cups of water to the newer people that are still learning what we're doing and how we're doing it and building relationships. But for some of us, we need to step up a little bit. Lots going on in our life today. And so that's what we want to be, is that hero. So the question is, do you want to be God's hero? You don't have to go into a burning building. You don't have to go in a car that's crashed on the side of the road. But it may mean that you've got to do a little bit more than what you're doing right now in stepping up. I don't have anybody, no names, no faces in my mind. I'm just preaching a sermon that God's laid on my heart. It's God's word to you. You now take it to the Lord. And you and Him sort it out where you really authentically are, what you can and can't do. Now maybe for some of you, your hero thing is going to be starting with your own home. You'll see the application. But when you read it, am I a hero to those that live in my house? Am I a hero to my family? Who needs a hero at home? If you don't mind, I want to be a little bit more specific. Because some of you will read that and say, well, I could use me, but I want to make it more specific. Listen carefully. Do they need a teacher type that we just studied? Is that a hero that someone at home needs? Is it going to be a soldier type who's focused? Do you need more, more focused? Is it going to be an athlete? Is it going to be a farmer? Is that the hero? Is that what you need to be? A farmer type? How about a workman? who's really doing right, you know what parenting is all about biblically, and you're studying that, and you're going to know the word accurately, how to be a hero as a husband, a wife, a parent. And some of you kids, it'd be great if you'd say, I want to show the rest of the 25 million teenagers in the United States how to be the right kind of teenager and to treat their parents. I want to be a hero to my parents. And then maybe some of you, it's going to be a vessel. Some of you need to clean up. Do you have bitterness in your life? Moral impurity in your life? Do you have greed in your life? Are you harming God's temple? you misusing His tongue? Are you selfish with His treasures? Are you lazy with your time? With your family? And then how about a servant? Sweet? sensitive servant where do you begin the grace of God go back to his grace 
Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed. God's grace. Right now, he is raining his grace on you. You don't have to feel it. You just have to know it. His book, From Cover to Cover, talks about his grace. Oh, yes, he's holy. Oh, yes, he judges. Oh, yes, our sin sent Jesus to the cross. But, oh, yes, what amazing grace he bestows upon us. So would you simply say to him right now, humbly, if you're a guest or listening to me on radio or have a copy of this CD or download it off our internet site, could you come to him humbly and say, Lord, I am a sinner. I've always needed heroes in my life and they've let me down, so I've had a sour spirit about anybody. And now I'm just with that, I've tried to fill my own life, control my own life, and I've just got it all messed up. And I know I grieve you, and I'm a sinner, and I desperately need a Savior. And Lord, you are, in, you are a hero of heroes. You are the only great hero. You promised you'd die on the cross and rise again from the dead. You did it. My sins are paid for. And I'm coming to you, and I believe you are God. I am fully dependent upon you for the forgiveness of my sin. I am resting and relying on only on you. Lord, thank you for bringing me into your forever family. You are my forever hero. I will never be kicked out of your family. And Lord, thank you for that grace. Thank you that if that grace can save me, that same grace now will give me the strength to be the hero that I need to be. So I don't come to you with a mixture of my good works and my faith. I come to you just bankrupt. And I'm going to receive from you eternal blessings forever. And I want to thank you for that. Now, if you're saying that in your own words, even prayer doesn't save you, but it is that genuine mental transaction between you and God where you are authentically communing with Him and not just going through a system of, of, of beliefs and verses, but a real relationship thing going on now. If you're trusting in Christ alone, I'd like to pray for you. And I'm not going to have you stand up or come forward. I think you could understand that I'd like you to raise your hand so I know that you're trusting Christ, so I can pray with you. But now, if that's not even comfortable for you, you have a card that was in your little worship folder there that thing, some people call it a bulletin. If you'll just put on that card, I trusted Christ today. Just find that little box or just write it on there and just let me know. I'll get that personally in my... Nobody, we don't pass it out to some prayer group and it goes all over the island. It goes to my desk only. And I will pray for you. If you want to talk to me because you've got Bible questions about something, God spoke to you, but you're trying to sort it out and you need to just bounce it off somebody, what do I mean by that? And what about this verse over here? You let me know on that card. I have to tell you, I thrive with this stuff with you. And I love to get alongside you. I want to make a new friend if possible with you. If you're a girl or a woman, I want you to know you'll find no sweeter person than my wife she loves gals. She knows the struggles that they've had. She teaches a class called WAVE. And she'd be glad to help you. So if you're a woman, just say, Mrs. Pastor or something. Her name's Carol. Is there anyone in here today that you believe God spoke to you? And you'd now like me to pray for you because today was the day you trusted Christ as your forever Savior. Would you slip up your hand right now? Is there anyone at all? Okay. Christians, you got that list there. It's a little thing to tickle your thoughts. Where can you be a hero? Where does God want you to be a hero? Who in your family needs a hero? 
When do they need that hero in you? How can you be their hero? And then finally, when you do become their hero, and you will, because people who follow Christ often sometimes have people follow them, will you then quickly give all the praise and the glory to the hero of heroes, the Lord Jesus Christ. For without him, not only would we not even be a hero, we could do nothing, absolutely nothing. How many of you would like to have prayer? Because God is speaking to you now, and you'd like for me to pray for you. Would you slip up your hand? Amen, amen. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I know this was a heavy kind of a message and a little bit more pointed. And Lord, I do not want to be anyone's Holy Spirit. I know that you love our people desperately more than I could ever love them. And that, Father, I can leave this pulpit today with the greatest of confidence in you ministering to these people right where they need to be. But, Father, I also know that Satan wants to steal this seed that was now planted. So in the name of Jesus, by the blood that was shed in the resurrection, I ask you to do business in the unseen world. That Satan would not steal this seed. That it fell upon good ground. It will take root. And that, Father, that that person would be a strong, growing Christian in you by faith alone. And that, Father... If you would so honor us here and help us to be a growing, healthy church. Because this island needs the gospel. They need what you're giving to us and we want to take it to them. Help us, show us, empower us, resource us. And Father, for that we will be eternally grateful. For it's all and only about you. In Jesus' name. This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please email us at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. That's tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.